Welcome to It's Schools here, and uh, yeah, we're ready to go for another week. John Pincus is the uh, the lawyer joining us. He's got all the information. He's got the knowledge, so we're going to refer to him for the uh, majority of the half hour. No question is too silly or too uh, too long, too short. What I bring it on. If you're having workplace issues, that's what we talk about every night of the week. So have at her. You want to email, it's helpandemploymentlawyer.ca, and the website available to you 24 7 Absolutely free of charge, of course, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the main topic of the show. We haven't covered this in some time, so sometimes it's good to go back and refresh about everything you need to know about constructive dismissal. That is on the way shortly, but week of the or week that was or case of the day. John, what do you got going on, pal? Uh, good, uh, good to talk to you again. It's been a while, and uh, yeah, always man. good to be speaking about uh, employment law and talking, uh, hopefully, to people who are listening about issues they're facing, that their spouse may be facing, that their uh, family may be facing. And uh, as you always say, John, uh, we hope that people don't be bashful because there really are no dumb questions here. We're happy to answer anything related to uh, employment law. But uh, I do have a case of the day, uh, and one that I want to talk about today involves a customer coordinator who had been working for a company for just under five years, four years and and about 10 months. Now, the company had been uh, experiencing a a downturn in business recently, and so they had to make the unfortunate decision to let her go. So she understood every employer has a right to let me go, but as a listener of this show, she knew that she had to be paid the proper severance. Hmm. And what the company told her is... Well, the thing is, you've signed this employment agreement, and it says we only have to pay you the minimum amounts under the Employment Standards Act. And the Employment Standards Act says we don't have to pay you severance if you've been with us for more than five years. You haven't been with us for more than five years, so we don't owe you anything. Now, at this point, of course, she's thinking, well, well, I know that can't possibly be right. So she comes to me and she asks me, she says, John, they just told me my last day is today. They're letting me go. They're not paying me any severance. Shouldn't I be entitled to something? And, of course, the company was wrong, 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 wrong. And, and what I like about this example is it just shows just how many mistakes uh, an employer can make in a termination. Now, for one thing, the employment agreement that the, the company was lo- relying on was not enforceable. Couldn't, can't be enforced, so it's as if that termination language doesn't exist. So she was not limited to the minimum amounts under the Employment Standards Act. Uh, and the fact was that uh you know that she was employed for less than 5 years and the fact that this was a small company did not and does not matter at all secondly the prob- the company had breached the employment standards act by not paying her the even the minimum amounts that it owed her which is quite a serious breach of statute and they're going to have much to answer for now fortunately for both this employee and the company this matter really should be resolvable, and it should be resolvable in short order. And that's what we intend to do. Uh, this is someone who is uh, owed as much as six months' pay. For her, that's about $45,000. And and so that would really have been a significant entitlement for her to walk away from, even if they had paid the yeah. minimum amount that she's owed. So just another really important reminder to never take what is in your termination letter at face value and always speak with an employment lawyer about it. And that's the thing. A lot of people will, before they go to see you or someone at the firm, will say, "No, nah, you know, I talked to a friend of mine who, you know, has been through this. He's been through the ringer, and here's what you do. Here, that's all you're entitled to." And yeah, though that letter's pretty on. Or they'll say, "You know, you're going to bother going through this whole rigmarole with the company. It's going to be a long legal battle. There's going to be lawyers involved and fees. It's just not worth it. Take what they're giving you or whatever." What do you think about that? Well, the one thing that I always remind clients, and, and this is the benefit that I have of, of acting for employers and employees, is that you'd be surprised to learn that a lot of employers have the same anxieties that you do. 
they don't want this to be dragged out any more than you. They don't, it's not in their interest to drag it out. In fact, often it hurts the company more than it's going to hurt the employee uh, to have things dragged out. They're going to want to have it resolved. Um, and if you go into it the right way with the right attitude, um, then often that, that's what exactly what happens. Uh, and it can happen, uh, well, it, it almost invariably is what happens actually, but it often happens very, very quickly. Uh, you know, the, the percentage of cases where, the, where we just cannot resolve it at all and it has to go to court is, is almost vanishingly small. It happens, but it's very rare. You know what? We'll take a short little break, get into uh, lots more here in just a minute. It's a, it's a good topic. It's all about constructive dismissal. Employment Law Show continues. John Scholes and John Pinkus together here uh, once again. The email address, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Okay, Johnny, here we go. Everything you need to know about constructive dismissal. Just the term confuses people, so that's uh, where we're going to launch this sucker. What is a constructive dismissal? So constructive dismissal arises where as an employee, your employer has done something that you don't agree with, uh, that uh, typically something that hasn't been done before, um, and is something that is a major change, right? And, and those first two things, you can, you can usually work it on your own, right? Well, have I signed an agreement allowing my employer to do this? You hopefully know that if you've had your agreement reviewed by an employment lawyer, you hopefully know what they're allowed to do, and what they're not allowed to do. And if you don't, then you should speak with an employment lawyer. Uh, and if you haven't signed an employment agreement, if you haven't signed anything dealing with it, then you'll know, okay, this is not something that I've told them they could do. But whether it's something that amounts to constructive dismissal, right? Because employers make lots of changes without your permission, right? They might change your benefits carriers, right? One week they're on Sun Life, one week they're on Manulife. That's not going to be a change. Uh, typically, that's going to that's going to give rise to any kind of breach of contract or constructive dismissal. But what are things that would? Well, if they demote you, that's a pretty big one. That's that's what I usually call kind of the classic constructive dismissal, right? They take you from a position where you have this prestige and you have this role and authority, and they just pull the rug from under you. That's that's pretty uh, a classic. A reduction of pay, uh, very straightforward. A layoff, very straightforward. Um, other things uh, can be less straightforward, right? So if they change your working hours, right? So if you've been working uh, a day shift and all of a sudden they shift you to a afternoon shift, and that might have a huge impact on your well-being, on your ability to take care of your family. Um, sometimes they'll do things like they'll move you, right? So then it becomes a very tricky analysis because we have to look at, okay, how far is the move going to be? How much is it going to cost you in time? Is it going to cost you any extra money? Are they giving you anything to compensate and offset that? Uh, so there are endless ways that an employer can constructively dismiss your employment, but only an employment lawyer is going to be able to tell you if your case is actually a candidate for that. All kinds of different ways, but how do you know? What's your, what's your spidey sense tell you if you've been constructively dismissed? Well, the first thing you ask yourself is, you know, did, did I agree to this, right? Is my employer doing something that I didn't agree to? And if, and if you did not agree to it, then you ask yourself, okay, well, how, how serious of a change is this? Is this something that I can live with? Is this something that I'm, I'm, well, it's not great, but I'm okay with it? Well, if you're okay with it, it doesn't really matter what I say, right? Yeah. But if it's something that's so severe that you're actually thinking of leaving, then before you do, should speak with an employment lawyer and see if you might have a case for constructive dismissal. By the way, you want to reach out to John when the show is done or any other time for that matter, 1-855-821-5900. Take a, you know, a couple of scenarios like this. You know, you're being harassed at work or the workplace is becoming you know, like a toxic environment. Could that eventually lead to a constructive dismissal? 
It it could. Usually, when those things are constructed dismissal, they're mixed with something else, right? So it's mixed yes. with your job has changed, you've been demoted, um, uh, or you know you've you've been uh, you've been moved to some other department or something that where you have a, a lower stature, um, or, or or they've done something to humiliate humiliate you, and and that goes along with it. It's less often that a toxic work environment in and of itself right. is a constructive dismissal. It has to be pretty extreme to be in and of itself uh, to be a constructive dismissal. But that doesn't mean you don't do anything about it. Because if you uh, complain to the company and they just ignore you, then that in and of itself can be uh, a constructive dismissal. So usually it starts with complaining to human resources. Don't have human resources, try your manager. You don't have a manager, well, try the owner, right? Uh, and allow the company a chance to investigate it. They may use an external investigator, they may do it internally, depending on the nature of the situation. And if they don't resolve it, or they don't adequately resolve it, get us involved because maybe we can help you resolve it. I mean, the best uh, the best solution is often one that has you stay there, stay at work and, and continue to uh, have your career there. Uh, but if, if uh, as a last resort, it doesn't work, then we can think about a constructive dismissal. But especially if it's a toxic work environment, very risky. So you've got to really, really talk through it with a lawyer before you leave on that on that basis. Severance question always comes up. Do I, can I get severance if you're constructively dismissed? Yes. If you're constructively dismissed, then you're treated the same way as any other person who has been uh, terminated. The idea of a constructive dismissal is, well, they haven't admitted that they've let you go, right. but the law is going to construct a dismissal. The law is going to say, well, based on everything that's happened, we're going to treat you as if the employer has let you go without cause, and they have to pay you everything they would have had to pay you had they just let you go like anyone else. So if you go on severance pay calculator, if you go on the pocket employment lawyer, and you put in your um, uh, your circumstances, your age, position, length of service, uh, then you can figure out the range of where your entitlements might lie. How about this? I, I Maybe I've decided to continue working after a negative change to my job. Is there pitfalls? Yeah. Um, there can be. Uh, but it really depends on the situation. So often, if, uh, for example, we're just talking about a change in compensation, sure. uh, then that, that is frequently advice that I give to clients where, you know, they say, you know, my compensation is changing. Everything else is fine, but I'm just, I'm going to have to look for another job because they're paying me less. Well, it may not make sense to leave in that circumstance, right? Because if you're earning money, uh, and the only issue is the fact that you're earning less money. It's not like you've been demoted. It's not like you've, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a hit on your career. You're just not earning as much. Then you just want to make sure that when you find a new job, you can make up the difference that they should have been paying you. In that instance, it can make sense to continue working under protest. Other cases involving um, uh, compensation, sometimes they change a commission plan. But you may not know at the outset what that commission plan change is going to look like. And if you leave too early and it turns out, actually, you would have earned more money or you would have earned the same amount of money, then you really have a problem, right? So whenever it involves a change in compensation, that, that is a very important consideration we have to think about. You know, does it make sense to just continue working under protest and see what happens? Again, we're talking about everything you need to know about uh, constructive dismissal. Uh, I think I've been constructively dismissed. I think so. Maybe kind of, sort of. Should I quit now and uh, then seek severance pay, or is that kind of card before the horse deal? Don't do anything, <laughs> anything before you speak with an employment lawyer. And I've had people come to me, and I've said, and uh, you know, they've said, "Well, here's my resignation letter. I quit. I think it's a constructive dismissal. What do you want me to? Do? What, what? What can you do for me?" And 
Sometimes it's so egregious that, you know what, it is a constructive dismissal, I can help you. Half the time, I have to say, you know what, um, this is not a constructive dismissal, or this is a very weak constructive dismissal. I don't think I'm going to be able to do much for you. And if you had spoke with a lawyer, maybe you would have thought otherwise. Now, right. when you when you speak to us, you should you should know what your concern is, and it should be something that is making you consider leaving. Um, but although we can't ever guarantee you whether something is a constructive dismissal, we can tell you how strong the case is, right? If it's a layoff, yeah. if it's a demotion, typically a very strong case, right? But if it's you know they they uh, you were working Monday to Thursday, and now you're working Monday to Thursday and a half. Yeah. Uh, that might not be that might not be a constructive dismissal. You might want to consider other options. So always speak to a lawyer because that's what we do. We walk through your options. Before we uh, slide into our next topic, I want to get a, get an email in here. Matthew says, guys, the company I work for is refusing to pay me for overtime because they say it was not approved for it. Is that allowed? No, no, that's not allowed. When an employer says that you have not been approved for overtime, they can discipline you. They can call it insubordination if they have a clear policy on that and you have ignored that, but they can't not pay you what you've worked. They still have to pay the overtime. And the next one I want to get to is things your employer won't tell you. Oh, but we will. You are likely owed more severance than you were offered. That That's good for about 99.9% of us, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's ninety nine point nine percent. That's a that's a real high percentage. Uh, I think we have a, a we we'd have a crisis. But it's you know what? It's closer to that than you might think. It is. I'll say uh, at least ninety percent of the offers uh, that I see are inadequate. You know, nine out of ten uh, severance no. packages that I review, I have to tell them that. This is not a good severance package. I think this should be negotiated, and typically that's what, that's what we do. Uh, and, and remember that when you're getting a severance package, you're often getting a severance package at the same time as many other people do organization, right? And they're not going to highball everyone most of the time. They're, that's you, true. The odd employer will do that, but pretty rare. Um, and the other thing is that they're not offering this to you out of the goodness of their heart. They're offering it to you because they owe it to you because they have terminated your employment without cause. They can let you go at any time, but there's a consequence to that. And you're right is that you have an you have an have to have an opportunity to be made whole so you can find another job. And that's all there is to that one. Uh, how about a maternity leave? How does that affect your job? Well, uh, it's going to uh, affect your job in a number of ways, especially if you're let go during a maternity leave, which unfortunately uh, does does tend to happen um, more often than you'd think. Um, yeah. If you go on a maternity leave, which is actually uh, in Ontario uh, split between uh, pregnancy leave and parental leave, uh, you have a right to your job, or if your job doesn't exist, a comparable job when you get back. So. You can't be asked to work when you're on your leave, and when the leave is over, um, you have the right to to come back to your job. And if you need a change in the in the date that you're coming back, you have four weeks uh, to tell before the end of your scheduled leave to tell your employer, and they have to accommodate you. Now, if your employment is terminated when you go on leave, so when you're starting it, or or they tell you, well, when you come back, there's no job here for you, your severance entitlement is going to be higher. And there are recent cases that tell us that the law recognizes if you are 
pregnant, if you are a new mother, uh, it's going to be harder for you to find a job, especially if you're pregnant, especially if you're towards the outset of your uh, maternity leave. Uh, and for that reason, uh, we pursue higher severance packages uh, for those employees. That's different than a disability leave, right? It is different than a disability leave because yeah. it is protected under statute. It's protected under the Employment Standards Act. They must uh, bring you back. Uh, but there are some similarities, right? Because there's there's a duty to hold your job, and it's not convenient for employers. It's a difficult situation for employers to be in. Uh, and I, I often have employers who come with come to me when these situations they say you know what what do we do this is uh you know we we had we hadn't planned for this um and it's just one of the realities of being an employer and the bigger of an employer you are the larger that obligation uh to make sure you have that same job for them when they come back is going to be a lot of the things we uh, John and I talk about here you can find as well on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Super handy website. It'll always make you smarter. It's free to use, of course, and anonymous. So along with this one, you're not really an independent contractor. Open that one up for me. Yeah, so when you are working as an independent contractor, sometimes it's because that's what you want, right? You you are uh, going into business, you have a number of clients, you see X client on, on Wednesday and this client on Thursday, this client on Friday, you have an independent relationship with all of them, you do some work for them sporadically. That's what an independent contract relationship is meant uh, to look like. But other times you go and you just apply for a job and they say, well, see, we, we don't pay as employees. What we do is we pay you uh, as, as an independent contractor. So all we have to do to make you an independent contractor is to have you sign this agreement and we don't deduct tax and source and you charge us HST. Great. Well, that does not make someone an independent contractor. An independent contractor has to have some kind of control, autonomy. Um, they have to have, uh, you know, some some risk. Uh, you know, they're you typically using their own equipment. But the bottom line is, they have to be in business for themselves. If they're in business for you or for the employer, rather, um, and then you are. An employee, probably, of that person, or at the very least, a dependent contractor that often has the same entitlements as an employee. So an employment lawyer can help look through those things, and if you are, in fact, misclassified, you're going to be entitled to severance, along with you know vacation, perhaps overtime, and yeah. everything you would receive under the Employment Standards Act. So it's a big deal to be misclassified. A lot of people stumble on this one, and we're talking about things your employer won't tell you. You do get overtime if you're on salary. A lot of people don't realize it. That's right. You do get overtime if you are on salary because overtime is not based on someone being an hourly employee. The way that it works, if you are on a salary and you work more than 44 hours per week, we calculate your hourly rate. We, you know, we convert it into 44 hours per week and then we look at the hours over and above that. And that in Ontario is what your overtime rate would be. There are exemptions for people, okay? So you don't get overtime, for instance, if you're a manager, not just manager entitled, but you know, an actual manager. There are certain uh, commissions-based uh, jobs where you don't get overtime because the employer doesn't have any control of the hours that you work. Um, and there's others, you know, we could go on and on. But mm. one of those exemptions is not that you, uh, that you make a salary. This one's been getting a little more popular, I guess, post-COVID with businesses changing and the like, and that is if the business is sold, you don't have to accept a job with the buyer. No, you don't have to accept the job with the buyer, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Uh, okay. So what you really have to look at is 
what kind of job is the buyer offering you? Because if it's the same job or substantially the same job and you don't accept it, well, you're actually still going to have a severance entitlement, but it's going to be uh, only that minimum entitlement because right. what your employer will say is, well, we're not going to compensate you beyond the minimum because uh, you had an opportunity to keep working in the same job. And the law will say, yeah, that's actually right. Uh, on the other hand, if the job that you're offered is not comparable at all, then what you'd have is actually a claim against the old company, the company oh, that right. was selling to the buyer to say, okay, uh, you let me go, um, and uh, there wasn't a comparable job waiting for me. So it's not a constructive dismissal. It's not that they've changed your job. It's just that they ended your job, and there wasn't a comparable one to replace it. And so you go after the, the, the party that ended your job, and what's the party that ended your job? The company that sold the business. Let's get to uh, Stephanie here. Uh, he says, guys, I uh, just bought a house and then was fired the next day. Brutal. Can I force my employer to pay my mortgage until I find a new job? Uh, I wish. I wish. But right. uh, no, that is not one of the obligations that your employer has. Certainly a sympathy factor, I would think. And, you know, the law is uh, governed by, by humans and the common law is governed by humans. So uh, definitely something I would raise. But can you force your employer to pay your mortgage until you find a new job? Unfortunately, probably not. Get to Francine quickly here in the last minute. I'm the top performer of my company, John, but it was just like go anyway. Is that a wrongful dismissal? No, the fact that you are the top performer in your company does not mean that the employer does not have a right to let you go. The employer has the right to let you go for almost any reason. I say almost, right? Not if you just made a complaint about vacation pay. Not if you just told them that you were going on a medical leave or a parental leave. But they can let you go for almost any other reason, right? New manager comes in and says, ah, I don't think you're so great. Uh, or they don't just have, they just don't have the money to pay you or they have a restructuring. They can do that. That is not as a, not a wrongful dismissal. So what is a wrongful dismissal? A wrongful dismissal is when an employer lets you go and they don't give you enough severance. Yeah. If they haven't given you enough severance, they haven't given you uh, enough advance notice of your, of your termination, then you have a case for wrongful dismissal. And so when we say, oh, you know, 90%, of severance packages are inadequate, what we're saying is 90% of people are typically wrongfully dismissed. And with that, we're done for a Monday. John Biggins is done. You can always reach out to him and his team. No problem. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And again, that website, use it. It's free. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Enjoy the rest of your evening.